and welcome to the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm chatting with Unc D. So, time for a stateside take on the London jazz scene. Hello, hello, hello and welcome to the second episode of Series 8 of the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. As always, if you like what you hear, do let a friend know, or friends, and make sure you subscribe, or one of our weekly episodes might pass you by without a listen. Ah! You can visit our lovely website at watfordjazzjunction.com whenever you like, and book tickets to our next show here in Friendly Watford, and that's going to be the Tony Kofi Quintet, and they'll be painting their portrait of Cannibal Adderley on the 12th of February. Now, to business! Today, I am joined by two fantastic musicians. They are the brains and talent behind Unc D, with more Spotify hits than you can possibly imagine, who are mixing and remixing jazz and finding new audiences. It can only be Dante Basista and Danny Svensson. Danny, Dante, hello, how are you both? Doing good, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks so much for joining us. What a delight. Where are you speaking to us from? Where are you guys based? Uh, we're over here at uh, Dan's studio, Bear Cave Recording in Youngstown, Ohio, uh, about an hour south from Cleveland. Nice. Bear Cave Recording. It already sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys grow up in Youngstown in Ohio? Yeah, we're both from uh, Youngstown down here and uh, uh, kind of came up doing indie rock type stuff. And uh, as we got older and into the uh, local scene, we got to do a lot of uh, jazz and funk. Uh, there's a lot of great Ohio funk heritage that we're able to tap into. So it's like Youngstown's not massive, right? I think it's about, I mean, I have done a little bit of research. It's about 60, 70,000 people, right? But is it like a particularly musical town? Has it got a, a sort of great vibe going on or is it like the wider state of Ohio? So Ohio itself is actually an incredibly musical state, I would say. Uh, and it's growing really fast. Uh, more like music industry, music industry where... Uh, all it took for them was 21 pilots and then suddenly yeah, yeah. people were taking Columbus a lot more seriously. So they, they're doing a cool thing down there. Um, but Youngstown itself, um, we have the Dana School of Music uh-huh. essentially right in the heart of our city. And it is uh, by all means jazz school. Um, it's it's a music school, four-year program, but it's not fo- like a lot of other schools You know, at some point in the last 30 years decided to focus on music technology or music uh, something something like that. But Dana's largely jazz performance, uh, and that's what you yeah, get. Yeah, so yeah. the level of musician uh, just sitting around the city is usually unbelievably high. So d- keep education in mind, right? Word on the street says Dante is completing a PhD, and Danny, you're a Berkeley graduate. But my question for you both is, what do you think of the opportunities and equally the threats of musical education, especially around jazz? Oh, I think it's a great it's a great thing to have and great thing to be involved uh, involved with. Uh, but what was so good about uh, I think Youngstown and uh, what is so good about Youngstown is kind of the opportunity to have this jazz school, but also a small kind of pool uh, for gigging. Where if you want to yeah. get in there and, and play in the clubs, it's a small enough scene where uh, people are excited to have young, excited uh, cats involved from the school. Uh, so you can kind of fit into different types of gigs, whether it's a dance gig. Uh, club gig, uh, rock tribute cover band, uh, as well as uh, jam sessions. We both ran a jam session for uh, in the downtown, which is not far from the university. Nice, nice. So a lot of improvised music. But I think it's a great thing to, uh, it's such a great thing because it's connecting people to this uh, older tradition that we might have missed. Kind of a lot of this, a lot of the stuff you learn, I feel like in jazz school with these uh, uh, older tunes, these standards, you're definitely not going to pick up just yeah, uh, yeah. playing what, what people want to 
want to hear at a bar, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are spoiling Ohio because you've always got Oberlin College, which I think is where Gary Bartz teaches sax as well. So Ohio, you heard it here. It's got the jazz going on. So got your musical sort of past and, and your journey. And that's fantastic that you were giggy on the scene. So what sort of happened? How, <laughs> how have you ended up in this sort of remixing territory, ostensibly working with the, uh, the output of others? Uh, I was in a, a lot of working bands. I was doing gigging dance bands and really wanted to start to put out music. I've always been in groups, but kind of being in groups, the way things work sometimes, uh, uh, you know, getting a, a band to go into a studio and play a song that they've worked on for a whole year live yeah. and, and get a one take. Sometimes that's tough. There's a lot of gatekeeping. So sure. uh, a little bit before COVID, I started just messing with this iPad mini uh, uh, using GarageBand sitting on my butt. Hold, my hold, hold on. For the, for the listeners, Dante held up Exhibit A and iPad. Carry on. <laughs> so this iPad here, uh, iPad mini, just a little tablet, uh, comes equipped yeah, yeah. with GarageBand which, and, and iReal Pro, two apps, which if you're a jazz producer, have tons of capabilities. But eventually I started to put out this music, February 2019-ish is when I started, and uh, a lot of music made where I'm making these drums on uh, the iPad uh, and using iReal Pro, our popular mm. standards uh, practice rehearsal tool. I've used it where I sample the keyboards because as a bass player, uh, who is recently getting into chords, even though that's something a lot of people might not like. Uh, I, I I never had the vocabulary chords-wise writing. Uh, so I simply, Blood and Thunder, a song that uh, has our most streams, that was randomly plugging in iReal Pro changes, uh, you know, with some guided taste. But in, sure. in, in all essence, I'm, I'm picking, you know, from a list of, of chord names and then sampling that. And if you hear the intro uh, on the song, the first minute of it is iReal Keys. Um, Unbelievable. You genuinely wouldn't know or, or, or tell, which is to no discredit of iReal. I mean, I think everyone uses it, right? But who knew you were able to be able to, to take out of it this really great, crisp audio quality uh, piano licks? It's cool. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And the only problem is uh, once everyone figures that out, you know, it, it's the same three tones. It's that same, <laughs> that same rose tone. Hey, um, whatever, man. Unc D were there first. Or. Uh, you know, you're on the vanguard, so take it. But, you know, the trouble is now you've been on the Watford Jazz Junction. Millions will now know your secret. <laughs> <laughs> so what other tools do you use? You've got GarageBand, you've got iReal, and who who would have guessed? Uh, but there's sort of two of you involved. What, what happens in the process? I mean, I say this from a complete point of ignorance. I know zip about remixing. Uh, so it generally... Uh, a two-step process that may or may not repeat back to step one, where it's... Uh, we generally track stuff in the studio live. We mess with a decent amount of variables. Oh, yes, there's the studio. And the studio does look fine, gentlemen. Oh, my God, look, and I've got the whole hot desk here. It looks like NASA. Love it. We we launch missiles in our <laughs> spare time. when. But uh, So we'll track things here first, um, and that's more standard recording studio style. You know, we'll yeah. track drums live. We'll track all that. But then we bounce it down, mix it, you know, do it so it's, we just have the the elements and then I give it back to Dante and Dante does everything that he does from there on the iPad. So it's it, the mixing process goes between maximalism to minimalism and then sometimes back to minimal maximalism and then back to minimalism. Nice. Uh, to taste. So to summarize the process, Dante, no, Danny delivers, Dante does what Dante does and back it goes backwards and forth until you're both happy, yeah? Pretty exactly. much. Uh, I, typically I'll, I'll cover homework. Whereas uh, Dan is is 
is us in the dojo, I guess you could say. Nice. And great alliteration work with the introduction of dojo. <laughs> we're, on a, we're, on, we're on a roll, guys. So what's then the attraction of the London scene? You know, London jazz musicians. How have they come onto your radar over there in Youngstown? And is there something really specific that you, you're hearing and want to work with? Uh, I think for me, it was mostly... Uh... Uh, Kamal Williams. The first time I got hip to the mm. Yusuf Kamal album, just like everybody else, that uh, for a lot of us here in the Midwest, that was kind of the first uh, wave of of that new scene of UK jazz that we're yeah. seeing now. That was the first time that we're getting hip to most of that. Unless you were, I'm sure there were people who were hip to it, but for a lot of us, that was kind of the first album. Yes. After that, digging into Kamal Williams, man, uh, seeing how he did things, I loved. Uh, I'm a, I'm always, I'm a bass player, but for me, keyboards are the truth. I've all, I love keyboards in my bands. I try to use excessive keyboards at all times. Uh, we've done gigs with four keyboards at one time, uh, stuff like that. But either way, getting, uh, into Kamal, uh, seeing how he ran his live band, uh, while also yeah. being a house producer was eye opening for me because nobody really does that over here in the States. So the bleed between the two, uh, was real important. But the biggest thing for me as a bass player is, is is making bass production in the same way that these uh, keyboard producers, uh, these keyboard players slash producers uh, in the London scene are doing, like Tenderlonius and and Kamal mm. Williams. Uh, they're going to add multiple layers of keys. You know, it's all about the keys, right? Keys and electronic drums. Uh, so yeah, so that's kind of the biggest thing. Whereas over here in the states, there's not as much of that bleed through with jazz. There's a lot of emphasis on on the live performance. Um, and capturing mm. that is in, in, in the best way possible, which has its own merits, of course. But that kind of gap, I guess, that we're seeing here. Yeah. So I was thinking about uh, Kamal Williams. So he was a breakthrough artist a few years ago with Black Focus, that great album. But I think the influence of that has has actually really influenced live performances as well of, of, of the outfits here. I think the bleed through that you, you're recognizing there as music coming through for here, it seems to cross pollinate everything and everyone like lives learns and they reinvent and they do something new and cool but for me my experience of, of the london scene is, is live um and then some really amazing recordings sort of made off the back of it on some great labels you know at brownswood etc the do you start to hear live performances at your side that are that are being influenced by that digital keyboard I mean, you've got a heritage of it, right? You know, you have to go back much further than Herbie Hancock, right? To see that, that impact on live musicians. But in the way that you're hearing a production, and we'll keep Kamal in mind, there's something like that. You're thinking, well, that's not happening here in the, in, in the US at the minute. Is it starting to happen? Are you, are you starting to get that vibe or is it going to stay uniquely UK? Oh, no, we're definitely seeing in the States. Uh, definitely right, from right. from the, uh, uh, the metropoles around us, particularly Detroit. We're seeing a lot from Detroit. Yeah. Uh, Deshaun Jones, Anti-Philosophy, they put out a killer Jazztronica series, I think about a year ago now, they put out two albums, um, very drum yeah, and yeah, bass, yeah. jazz mixed, and we're definitely seeing that, uh, use of percussion too, people have been going hard on percussion um, around here uh, in the jazz realm, which really helps, I think, because that's something that the UK has, is that connection to the Caribbean world that we in the Midwest don't don't have as much. Yeah, it was kind of cool talking about percussionists to see Makaya McRaven working with, with horn players here in, in London and different players. It's kind of cool to start, you know, to see that, what's the word, that cross-pollination, for want of a better term, yes. of, oh, yeah. of, of, of players, right? And, you know, you're saying rhythm-led. There's probably no one hitting the hitting the drums better than Makaya, in, in my humble opinion. Oh, no. 
So what's your relationship with jazz per se? And I don't mean that in a particularly an intellectual way. I mean it in a practical sense. Are you wedded to jazz particularly or, you know, as a genre, whatever that means? Or are you like right across the right across the piece? You know, you're talking about drum and bass and you're talking about other styles. Do you come at it as jazz guys or do you come at it as musicians who know their jazz that's a great question uh i think for me it all comes down to that personal definition of jazz because there's a lot of discourse about the word jazz that we're seeing today by people like nicholas payton where you know the the genre itself and the way that it's the discourse around it and yeah. its own uh so it's kind of tough to embrace you know it's 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 kind of a, a sticky thing right now because it's tough because the market uses that term so much uh, Spotify, you know, if uh, if I want to be, if I want to put instrumental collaborative music as my genre, there's not going to be as many playlists that have that uh, exact word there. Whereas jazz is a million different playlists. It's a button that you push, you know, it's part of the part of the system. I think for me, it's all about instrumental music. I played in a rock band early on. That's kind of where I first wrote songs uh in a very very rough around the edges cheesy dad rock band but we were 15 <laughs> uh, but either way uh and i always the best part of the songs for me were always the guitar solos i always love making songs for solos so for me i think instrumental music has always been uh tied to me but i uh, i'm not particularly of the i uh me and me and dan joke about a term the, the jazz outsider that's kind of how we yeah. view ourselves we're not necessarily j- jazz trained i think as producers uh, calling us ourselves jazz producers more than jazz musicians is helpful because uh, we work with so many people who are so connected to jazz in the sense of uh, they're deeply mm. trained in it. They do it proficiently. They live know, and breathe jazz. They live yeah. and breathe. So I was chatting with a fantastic pianist uh, over here from a band called Dinosaur, and it's a chap called Elliot Galvin, and they're awesome. Check them out if you don't know them, and uh, Laura Jurd's outfit, as I say, Dinosaur. But I was talking to him on a podcast, what, four or five ago, and for some reason I said the British jazz tradition as part of a question, and he reflected on that, and he went, oh, actually, you know, the British jazz tradition, the European jazz tradition is very different from the American jazz tradition, because in America, the weight the heaviness, everything that that represents, you know. For you guys, it's your classical music almost, you know. The weight of jazz weighs heavy, certainly in his mind, on American jazz musicians. Not in a negative sense, almost like in a privileged sense. So I get that sort of sense of wanting to be the jazz producer, but ultimately, you don't fear it. No, uh, not at all. There's, it's, it's all about the, the, the tradition here. There's, there's a, an element of historic preservation that's very important to how people in America view tra- jazz because it's it's something that people, just like with historic pr- preservation, people want to see it still happening, even though they might not be bumping that at home. They might not be thinking about that music after, but they like to be, it, it makes people feel like they're in their home culture if they see it existing essentially. And it's so it's, it always is going to have that place. So that kind of, that's important because the, for us, because in, in, in kind of growing up in it, because uh, having so many people, carry the big weight of the tradition kind of plays into how you approach the music because it's not always easy to do something different when there's so many uh, uh, opportunistic yeah, yeah, lanes yeah. Uh, for doing just the traditional style because it's it is so strong. yeah i'm going to come back and uh, scare you with a serious question about this a bit later on um but i did just want to ask you as well about spotify right so you say you're doing this 2019 and in, in my greatly adult brain i mean that's just two years ago and you were sort of experimenting. And then since then, you've had some crazy numbers in, in terms of hits, right? We're talking over 100,000 for different tracks there. Eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just since yeah. this last year. And what do you put that down to? I mean, is that 
genre. I mean, I'm not putting it down to anything apart from the quality of the music in one hand, of course. But what I want to know is like, did you expect it to have that takeoff? Is is that something that surprised you? Oh, absolutely. We were uh, totally shifting gears away from jazz at that moment. Me and Dan, uh, right before Blood and Thunder hits uh, on Jazztronica, where it stayed uh, all year since January 2nd, yes. 2020, we were shifting gears toward ringtones. We made a whole library of, of short beat what? ringtones uh, for like a commission piece where uh, it's a ringtone library. And we were totally shifting gears away towards jazz, away from these big productions that have all these changes and 13 people on them um, and all these different layers to them. Uh, But then all of a sudden that hit. um, So we were not expecting it. And then uh, we, we shifted gear. Ran with it. (laughs) Yeah, we really ran with it. (laughs) But I think the the key for a lot of people is that if you read how Spotify is, uh, what they want, if you're trying to understand what they want, what they want is consistency. Mm. Uh, There's a tension between uh, how we view art, and art output uh, in the past versus how it is today, because there's something to be said to, if you play a song for five years and then record it, you know, with the same band, five years deep, I'm sure you're gonna have maybe the best version of that song in an ideal sense, the best version. Um, But the market doesn't want that because music is devalued so much digitally. It's just devalued, like a song doesn't mean anything. You don't make anything from streams, all this stuff. Uh, Either way, what I'm trying to say is uh, consistency, man, we just, we don't have any capital. We don't have any marketing money. We don't have any associations that we're, we don't have any institutions we're associated with. We don't have any uh, major mm-hmm. uh, like celebrities that back us or something like there's no, it's, we don't have anything at all besides just literally, we just put out as much music as we can possibly can and make it as good as we can. Cause nobody uh, uh, can put that hurdle in front of you besides you physically just releasing yeah, the music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Spotify likes that for sure. I think they like the consistency. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in that in the sense of the independent. You know, if you can be an independent producer, it puts you in a really powerful position, but at the same time, incredibly vulnerable, right? Because there is no one backing you. You're either, you're as good as your last track, huh? Oh, absolutely. So you must be feeling that pressure right now to go, is this a crest of a wave? Do you have to keep reinventing? Have I got to become like a business consultant to work this out? Every day we ask ourselves that set of questions. But you know, you're looking well on it. You know, I think it, I think you've got to have a bit of uh, the fear, so to speak, to uh, to keep you driving. Are you seeking that type of relationship with others, or you just want to see how it goes? And are you going to protect your independence fiercely? Um, right now. I mean, I will come back to you once you sold out. I'll be like, ha! you said. Absolutely. Um, um, honestly, we were, if we do anything like that, it would be more so for covers. Uh, because as an independent, getting ah. uh, getting the rights to perform certain songs is tough. But if, that's as, if that ever becomes something um, like a standards album or like a pop cover jazz album, that's the lane I would definitely want to use with that. Uh, but as for the original yeah. kind of productions... Um, I think there's something to the independent nature of them. And uh, if you do your business right, you could still be on a label doing label projects while also still having your independent releases. And I think they're the fan base, um, even if down the road we work with labels, as long as we still practice the independent releases, I think I think the the audience kind of reflects to that because having kind of a rougher, looser channel uh, will work, even if there's a binary of like a very professional long term uh, slow moving machine type release channel I guess okay so this has made me think it may be now time for Chris's mega remix music quiz I hope you're ready for some serious musical remixes that I'm gonna shout out at you um, I've spread my my net my musical net far and wide 
to choose two remixes uh, that I need you to choose between. Uh, and we've got five different sets of them. Okay, so you just need to make your choice. Are you ready, Yang? Yes, sir. All right, question one. Bjork's Human Behaviour, remixed by Underworld, or Midlake's Roscoe, remixed by Beyond the Wizard's Sleeve? Which one? I vote Bjork. All right, that's good, because that's what the Watford Jazz Junction had chosen. <laughs> so you get, you get the full 10 out of 10 on that one. Nice. Okay, question two. Uh, Tori Amos's Professional Widow, remixed by Armand's Star Trunk Funkin' Mix... Wow, that's a mouthful. Or Florence and the Machine, You've Got the Love, uh, remixed by the XX. Man, so, I feel like which one? I feel like you got to go with Tori Amos. Ah, yeah, but you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna keep it. You're gonna keep it stateside. Um, unfortunately for you, you lose your ten points because I'd gone <laughs> for Florence and the Machine in the XX mix. Okay, uh, question three: Grace Jones, Williams Blood, the Aeroplane remix, or MIA, Paper Planes, the DFA remix. We'll do Aeroplanes Remix. Ah, it's the right choice! And because I like that so much, I'm going to double your points. You, you should feel pretty happy. Question four of five. Blur, moving on, the William Orbit Remix, or Goldie's Inner City Life, remixed by the fantastic Ronnie Size and DJ Crust. You know, I'm all about that crusty crust. It's a away from me. It's right, it's right! <laughs> and we love Ronnie Size as well, and we love Goldie, and everything about that's good. Okay, right, uh, your final remix question here. Uh, Missy Elliott, get your freak on! The Jackknife Lee remix, or Gorillaz Dare, the DFA remix. Come on now. Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott, I like it. I'd have been happy with either of those answers. And to be fair, all ten of those tracks are amazing. Probably because I speak too quickly, I'll put all of those uh, tracks in the notes so you can check them out at your pleasure. Okay, so I think you've done pretty well there. I've given you, what, 60 out of 80, which is three quarters. I mean, it's not a bad performance, but I'm going to let you go for gold and you can get everything back here on this final question. Special question six. You can remix two artists from any point in jazz history. Who would you choose? You can have one each. And if they're good, well, I can't even tell you the scoring territory you'll be entering. George Duke Feel album. Just to get your hands on some of those keyboard parts. <laughs> oh. oh, it's a good start. Danny, no pressure, man. Uh, Someday my prince will come, uh, Bill Evans. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he's there not go. just grabbed victory from the jaws of defeat. He's grabbed victory from the jaws of victory. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm going to give you... Well, I'm just going to go over the... I'm going to go off the chart. I'm going to give you 82 out of 80 for that. You should be very proud of yourself in the Bear Cave Records hub. Nice. Okay, so my final and set question for you both. Do you need intellectual rigour to be applied before working on music that's got a strong social legacy? Or should musicians from any background just get on with making music, but do so with a sense of openness and vulnerability? Discuss! I would, uh, you know... With all things, I think there's a somewhere in the middle ground, right? You know, I think people, you know, and it's it's different, you know, for for however everyone approaches music and how it, you know, encodes in their head. Um, but you know, I think for me personally, a great deal is being as open as possible in person in there, and then when something strikes a chord, really, you know, learn every element that there is to learn about it. Uh, you know, if it makes you feel something, it's uh, it's your duty to, you know fulfill yourself learn about it how did it get made who played it you know 
Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so somewhere down the center. Do you sort of agree like with to, that, Dante? I'd like to add kind of uh, coming from the history side of things to not forget that uh, music, even though there's individual practitioners involved, uh, much like great man history, um, it's not about the individual exactly who's making the song, who's involved even in the song, because at a certain meta level, it's ultimately a cultural product. So it's ultimately part of the community uh, because the people who are making those songs had to have had feedback from other people on what they like mm. at some point in their career for them to grow their tastes in a way that they can produce stuff that the community likes. So it's important to think that, you know, you don't have to be the fighter pilot jazz guy. You don't have to be the guy who, um, like me, like I can't blaze a solo. I can't do any of that, right? My jazz vocabulary is, is quite, lib or my, my whole musical vocabulary is quite literally uh, the blue scale moved in different routes. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. As a bass player, right? So I do funk bass in different keys, right? Uh, but uh, I, uh, for instance, as a pro jazz producer, could uh, hire, uh, like I did on a recent song, Mr. Bubby Lewis. Wow. Um, who's a, an amazing bass player who can shred those jazz vocabulary. So I don't have to be the fighter pilot, right? I can be somebody who is part of a community of collaboration going on. Uh, so don't ever uh, think that there's a gate between... Uh, you know, you could just be the guy hitting the cowbell um, on that track, but you hitting it, uh, guy or lady or, or whatever, but if you could be the person hitting a, a cowbell and just and maybe just from a happenstance hit it a little bit off on one part and that could make the whole recording. That's a cultural product. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So definitely don't let anything get in the way. Uh, 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 if, if you like it and you hear it, you can make it. Hey, I think we take that as an open invitation uh, world to create to listen, to create, to collaborate, to create. Love it. All right, it's top three album time. So I'm going to want to know one album from each of you that you go back to again and again. And then horror of horror, I want you to agree on one final third album. So what are your choices? Uh, I'll say Age of Odds by Sufjan Stevens. Uh, it's... It, came out when I was uh, an angsty teen and uh, it was the angsty electronic music I needed at the time but it's still incredible especially not related to jazz at all but in in the sense of what what the idea of jazz is where Sufjan Stevens entire his whole catalog is folk music he does folk music for everything and then he comes out with this incredibly experimental electronic album that's uh, you know there's uh, a song on there that got sampled by Mac Miller, and then there's a song in there that's 30 minutes long that's, you know, an entire odyssey. Um, and it all comes from a folk folk guy. Uh, so Nice. That'll be mine. Okay, um, so Age of Odds by Sufjan Stevens is locked in. Dante, choice two. So out of respect for the London Cats, Yusuf Day's trio, I think it's called Welcome to the Hills, live in Amsterdam, oh. their massive live album that they put out. That's been my comfort album since it came out, essentially. Uh, anyone who's listening in the States or elsewhere who's not hip to it, definitely get hip to it. I'm sure people in the UK are already connected, but just the you can you could be in any type of mood and find something on that album. You could play it as passive music, or it could be something that you're uh, listening to because you have anxiety and want to be relaxed and you want to latch in and, and dig in. And then on a, a more specific musician level, uh, that's what every band should be at the bottom. Every If you're going to have a band where there's a keys, bass, and drums, and then extra, you need to listen to this band to figure out what you want to do, keys, bass, and drums, because they do it 
as good as you can do it. Right. It's it's locked in. There's no, you know, you I wouldn't I wouldn't ever criticize someone's choices anyway, but these are fantastic. Uh, and album 3 where I'm going to demand demand that you agree. What will be your third choice? Yeah, I'm trying to think which what well, what have we dug into? What about Fable Kuti? Oh yeah. Oh. Expensive shit Fable Kuti. Talk about best album covers. Uh, blurbs talk about best little paragraph on an album cover of all time um talks about how he ate herb and then the policeman uh because they were going to take it from him and it became his most expensive shit uh paraphrasing yeah Uh, but that's where he gets the album uh title and just can you top that sound can you top tony allen and that structure just the structure of improv versus versus structure hey listen competitiveness versus free dante's talking dante's selling danny's nodding there is agreement it doesn't get much better now you know what's coming next because it's time to address our house band and some say that it's the most eclectic and extraordinary fantasy band in podcast show business so right now we've got jerry allen on piano we have paul motion on drums we have ron matthewson on bass we have Ronnie Scott's Alex Garnett on tenor. We've got Joe Templey, uh, latterly of uh, Winter Marsalis' band, on bass saxophone. The late John Hassel on trumpet. Plus, we've got Norma Winston, Carmen McRae, and Betty Carter on vocals. And if that doesn't float your boat, on the harp, we've got Alice Coltrane. Now, your task, if you wish, is to remove one of the musicians, i.e. for a swap, but the opportunity is also to bring in a new player from any point in jazz history. Who should you like to add to the band? I'll take keys out and put in Keith Emerson. Keith Emerson. We've added him. That's cool. Why, do you want one as well, Dante? Or are you happy with that? Yes. No, I, I want to add, you didn't have an organ player? Nope. So let's put Jimmy Smith in there. Okay. See what he does. <laughs> loving it so keith emerson and jimmy smith have joined the band what what can you say i'm loving it uh happy days so guys thank you ever so much for being with us today unc d what are your plans for the future you know both music wise and technology wise what, what's the outlook like uh we've been we're on steady on a path here with uh, a new jazz single coming out every three weeks we're putting out a 35 track uh, uh, album our uh, quote unquote iPad jazz times splice jazz box set right. uh, which is going to be uh, a collection of all of our recent singles plus a bunch of bonus material yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we're going to put it all on one album putting that out at the top of the year so we're getting that ready um, and we have a beats project where uh, called Mo Fidelity look us up on Instagram and Spotify we release a new beat every two weeks okay. uh, and we're getting into some live band hip hop check out Chanel Kazadi a local artist from Kent who uh, in a similar independent fashion has been getting Spotify luck but with hip hop so we're going to be doing some live band hip hop uh, and, and, and doing it up that way nice so spreading the spreading the love um, quickly tell me about Mo Fidelity then what's, what's that a beats project in what sense you're putting out loops or uh, essentially it's usually under two minutes yep. of uh, us pragmatically practicing just sitting down and making something. Uh, uh, and this is just more beats oriented. I get um, it, I get it. Yeah. So it's like it's, it's hardcore discipline that you're applying to yourselves, but you've got to keep the, the output coming, yeah? Oh, quite literally. Last <laughs> night, we uh, at 10.30 at night cranked out in 45 minutes just a new beat and literally uploaded it right to Spotify. I made an album cover in the in between us finishing the song and going on DistroKid, and now it's uploaded into Spotify um, because uh, we're just 
putting, we're just filling that thing up. I love filling it. it up, filling it up. Hey, in the words of probably someone else, but the future, it's not tomorrow. It's happening right now. <laughs> so listen, Absolutely. if you've liked what you've listened to, subscribe. For, for heavens forbid, you might miss an episode. Um, if you want to follow us, you can check us out on our social media. We're on all of them. Uh, or, of course, uh, as I say, check in with whatforjazzjunction.com. You can also email us at jazzwatfordlive at gmail.com, uh, but only to say brilliantly intellectual things. Next time, we are in conversation with the fantastic UK vibes player, Anthony Kerr. So until then, it's goodbye, lovely listener. It's goodbye, Dante and Danny from Unc D. Bye. Ciao. <laughs> Stay safe and always remember to connect with something new. Bye. Hell yeah.